0: I'm Andrew, you may not know me, but I know you. And let me tell you why. Not because I'm stalking you on the Facegram and the TikToks and stuff. I know you because it was someone like you that saw value in someone like me when I didn't see any in myself. It was someone like you that made me feel like I belong somewhere when I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. And it was someone like you that took a chance on me. And I wouldn't be here today, standing here talking to you if it wasn't for someone like you. So we do do a lot of clapping for the people up here, but can we take a moment and celebrate you guys out there? There's nothing more important than investing in children and young people, and that's what you guys are doing. So thank you so much for being someone like you for someone like me. All right, we got any baseball fans in the house? I thought that might be a small <laughs> just, yeah, a small number. This is, I should have gone with a football analogy here. Anyways, um, I learned most of what I know from baseball from the coming of age film, The Sandlot. So I'm really good at smack talk and making s'mores and not a whole lot else. But I, I did get a little bit of hands-on experience when I was younger, played Little League. We got anyone else out there? Here's proof that I played sports games that was the height of my career. Highest RBI I've ever had. <laughs> 96. Those are the glory days. Anyways, um, played play, played some baseball in my younger years. Let's just say they stuck me out in right field. So yeah, if you know anything about baseball, I was real good. <laughs> Pretty sure the only reason I made the team is because my dad was the coach. Uh, but... One summer, I got to go to baseball camp, and I was so excited for this opportunity. I was, like, going to be the next Mark McGuire, who was a baseball guy for all of you football people. And, um, I mean, I, I was so pumped. I got a brand-new ball mitt. You know what I'm talking about? The, uh, the, the uh, real synthetic leather. You never forget that smell of fake cow. It's just... That's my coming of age right there. That's when I became a man when I got that glove. But I, got, I got the striped pants. I got the jersey. I got the cleats. I hopped off that bus. I was ready to play ball, man. I was ready to go. And the first thing they did is they, they lined us all up on the bleachers. I couldn't believe this. This was, was mind-blowing. And then these old pros came out. They had their own bus. They got off their bus. And I'd seen some of their faces on baseball cards. I mean, these guys were legends of the game. And they just started telling us stories. Of the glory days, they were they were recounting some of the craziest baseball games they have ever played, stolen bases, home runs. It was amazing. And then, just when we thought it couldn't get any better, they go out into the field. Now we move from the bleachers into the dugout. We're right there, like seeing the whole thing take place. And they play a pickup game for us we are losing our minds and our voices as we scream for these guys. And as the camp went on, I and mean, we spent all week with these guys, every morning we ate our Wheaties. And we sang, take me out to the ball game. And every evening we went to sessions and we strategized. We talked about game plans. We, we watched old reels, highlight reels of old games. And at the end of the week, man, I could have told you the, full, the complete history of baseball. I could have told you all the biggest players, all the biggest names in the game, but not once did I pick up a baseball. My synthetic leather gloves sat covered in dust all week long. And I'm here this morning to ask you a question. Are you letting your kids play ball? Or are we just singing about it? Are we just talking about it and strategizing about it, telling stories about the glory days? Are we letting our kids play ball? Because God doesn't just see children as precious, and I think we all agree in our culture, at least in this in this period in history, we see children as precious. God didn't just see children as precious; He saw them as powerful. Do you believe that? I want to show you what Jesus did in one of those moments when his disciples asked him like a real stupid question. <laughs> one of his disciples asked Jesus, hey, which one of us is, is your best guy? Who do you like? Who do you like best? I don't know what and they did this multiple times too. It's like, okay, here we go again. Thank you, Peter. So this is what Jesus says. He calls a little child to him. I love this. I didn't change this at all. And placed the child among them. Object lesson, right? (laughs) And then he said, truly I tell you, unless you become like him, you don't even belong in my kingdom. We like the other verses, like let the children come to me. They're so beautiful and cute and special. No, no, no. You don't look down on him. You learn from him. You become like him. Whew. Children are powerful. God saw them as powerful. In fact, when he had really something really important to get done, he just simply could not trust it to an adult. Only a child would do. When the whole Israelite army stood shaking in their boots on the sidelines of war, it, As an enemy giant hurled insults at their God day after day, it was a teenage shepherd boy who had the guts to stand up with nothing more than a slingshot and a stone. It was the generous gift of of a small kid's sack lunch that gave way to one of Jesus' greatest miracles as he used it to feed 5,000 people. Man, Paul's nephew, we don't talk about him much. That's that's his name in scripture, Paul's nephew. But he warned him about an angry mob who wanted to kill him. If it wasn't for the courage of that kid, we wouldn't have most of the New Testament today. And we've talked about this. But when it was time for Jesus to launch his ministry and assemble his band of merry men, he wasn't looking for men. He found high school dropouts. And then they changed the world. And when God needed someone with incredible faith, an unshakable belief with whom to trust his son with. He picked a peasant girl named Mary to bring his son into the world. God believes in children and students. And I know you love them. And I know they're precious to you. But I want to ask you the question today. Do you believe in them? Do you believe that they are powerful? Former president of Compassionate International West Staff, one of my heroes says, children are more than we think they are. They can do more than we think that they can do. And this is for you. All they need is a vote of confidence from grown-ups, whom they will ultimately replace anyway. Their dreams today will become the realities of tomorrow. Do you remember what it was like to dream? Maybe it's been a while. Let me remind you. Do you remember dressing up like a superhero when you were a kid? Remember this? It wasn't a bath towel. It was a hero cape, right? It wasn't a stick. It was a it was a sword. This wasn't make-believe. Ladies and gentlemen, this was dress rehearsal. We were practicing because we believed back then the world wasn't scary and intimidating. It was exciting because we knew we were created to do something, to leave our mark. But as time goes on, our hearts get hard and our dreams get small and eventually they go away. Maybe we've forgotten what it's like to dream. Kids in your ministry haven't, your students haven't. I think the reason you're here today is because someone at some point put a ball in your hands and they said, okay, it's time to play. It's your turn, let's see what you got. They handed you a guitar and said, we need a worship leader. I know for a fact, some of you in this room, that's your story. <laughs> they handed you a Bible and said, You teach me. I know I'm older, but I want to learn from you. They gave you an opportunity. Now, what are you going to do? Do you believe that the students in your ministry are future worship leaders? that they're pastors, they're missionaries, that they have ideas right now that will change the world? Do you believe their dreams are the realities of tomorrow? I've seen students do some things that, that have challenged my faith, that have made me rethink the picture I have of God. I had this kid, junior high kid, I, man, first day of camp, I was like, I, sh- I should just send him home now to avoid a whole lot of headache later on, you know? Second day of camp, we go to a nursing home and I see this seventh grader volunteer to go in the memory unit. Scariest part of the whole situation, you know? These people aren't coherent. They don't really know who they are or where they are. This kid volunteers to go. I almost didn't let him go. I walk in 15 minutes later, I see him dancing with this 90-year-old woman. Here's a picture. And they're both just beaming, grinning ear to ear. Man, I've seen a group of 12-year-old girls walk around downtown Boise handing out flowers to women, telling them they're beautiful. I didn't tell them to do that. They came up with that all on their own. It's God's heart. I've seen high school students share meals with homeless people and not just in an assembly line, not just handing them a sandwich and sending them on their way, but sitting down and looking in their eyes and hearing their stories, they share a meal together. Your students are powerful. And what if we stopped relying on on programs full of sets and sessions and sermons and series, and we started looking for encounters and opportunities. Tony Campalo says a church begins to die when it says they're just children. They're just precious. They're just cute. We need to stop seeing children and we need to start seeing leaders and world shapers we cannot afford to wait around before we invite these little ones to find their place in the kingdom of god they are not the future of the church they are the church we don't need one more youth sunday on the calendar every sunday is youth sunday y'all They are more than we think they are. So what are we gonna do about it? You wanna know how to keep your upperclassmen engaged those last couple years of high school? Get them out of the dugout, get them off the bleachers, get them into the field, let them play. You won't be able to get rid of them. You'll be like, dude, just get married and get out of here already. Give them some skin in the game and just watch what they do. Your best leaders, the ones who will show up the earliest and stay the latest and remain the most engaged are your students. They're not just volunteers, they're missionaries, baby. And just watch what they can do. I I ran, this maybe I needed more waivers for this camp, but I ran a camp (laughs) of 100 junior high kids with 20 high school student leaders. And they didn't just run the camp. I rose the bar for them and they stepped up to the plate. They came every day the week before camp to serve and help and do things. We, we finished the camp Monday. We were done. We did everything we need to do for camp on Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, day two, three, four, we cleaned the church. We wrote encouraging cards to all the staff at the church. We cleaned out the storage. I mean, these kids were unstoppable. I couldn't come up with more stuff for them to do. They did more in three days than I could do all summer long what if instead of doing one more series on prayer you just gave your students an hour of uninterrupted time with their heavenly father the most students i've ever seen baptized in all my years of ministry was at a camp we didn't even have sessions at we just handed kids Bibles, sent them out in nature and three days later they came back and they're like i'm ready to get baptized we had 25 kids get baptized after this camp do we trust god to lead people to himself he's fully capable we just got to let the children come to him what if instead of planning another service project going down to the rescue mission scooping and soup you hand a small group of students 100 bucks and you drop them off somewhere and you say hey Go share God's love in whatever way you dream up. You will see the heart of God in ways you never imagined. The best stories you will have to tell about your years in ministry will come from moments when you believe in your students and you give them an opportunity. So I only have two practices for you today. One, believe in a student, believe in a child, And I don't want you to say those words. Don't go up to them and say, I believe in you. There's posters up and down their hallways at schools that do that. I want you to find out. I want you to find out what their dream is. And I want you to breathe life into it. I got to see Myron do that last night. That was the coolest part of Future Church. Brought up a girl, asked her what she thought God wanted her to do, and then breathed life into her. She she, she was a wreck, man. She was just nothing but tears and joy it was beautiful i want you to tell the kids you believe in him step two hand them the ball give them a chance you do that because when you do watch out we've got world changers we've got missionaries You'll see students. When you start to see students this way, you're gonna to get to watch students lead one another. You'll get to see older siblings baptize younger siblings. You're gonna have students that are so on fire for God that it challenges your faith as you watch them risk ridicule going into their schools and starting Bible studies that you didn't ask them to start. How many nonprofits are under your watch right now that could come out of you breathing life into a student's dream. So would we be a generation that hands the ball to the next generation and says, okay, it's your turn. Let's see what you got.